This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience First-hand, the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman and alongside Jarrah Kimber bring you immediate reaction to the action after every day of the current series between England and Pakistan. On today's show, we will discuss whether Babar Azam should be part of cricket's big four and if so, who makes way? The shock of seeing an opposition captain winning a toss and deciding to bat and just how good was that opening session? You're listening to Following On. So thanks for listening to the show. And if you're listening, you uh, no doubt know by now that uh, it was Pakistan who won the toss and decided to bat first, unlike Jason Holder. Um, even though the skies were grey, there was rain in the air and a stiff wind in Old Trafford, which led to only 49 overs of play possible. Uh, Pakistan will look back at a brave call and I think they probably made the right decision. Two wickets in the opening session. The first going to Jofra Archer, dismissing Abid Ali with a full delivery, which nipped back. Bowl for 16 and then 43 for 2 when Azhar Ali, even despite a review, was given at LBW by Chris Wokes for a duck. In and amongst that, Shah Massoud played a missed a few times but showed obduracy and ticker. Uh, he uh, ended up unbeaten on 46, although he was dropped on 45 and there was a miss stumping on the same score. At the other end, though, Babar Azam, wow, uh, he just played beautifully. He's unbeaten as well in the 60s, and uh, England have uh, a lot of work to do on day two and throughout this test match, you feel. Right, let's get on with the show. Story of the day. So, Jared, uh, great to be reunited and all that. Uh, story of the day. Let's start at the start of the day. A opposition captain winning the toss and under cloudy skies, deciding to bat first. What a refreshing change. 
Yeah, didn't it get mentioned quite a bit on on commentary? I mean, it, it, it's weird because in some ways they've made a similar kind of mistake to the West Indies in that they've got very two very similar spinners. West Indies had two tall off spinners, and uh, you've got two skiddy leg spinners for Pakistan who have weakened the middle order. But just because they didn't stuff up the toss, uh, no one seems to have mentioned the fact that they they have these two similar guys in there. So uh, it on on a very basic level. I think uh, they did a very good job today. Uh, they did what they had to do. They nullified the new ball. Their openers battered time, uh, which uh, you know I'm sure we'll get into Shah Masood. Um, but it's uh, that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk to you about Shah Masood because I know he's a player that actually came to you to uh, to talk about his game. Look, he could have been out on about two or three occasions. There were some wonderful deliveries, but that's going to happen. Uh, but they saw off Anderson abroad. They got past the first hour. Not a lot of uh, teams managed to do that in those kind of conditions. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's that's what you need to do because then it makes it batting a lot easier for those that follow. Talking about making batting look easy, we know a lot about Babar Azam. We've seen him um, a lot, but phew, you reminded me a little bit. Watching him, when the players came back out after uh, after. Uh, the, that rain delay, and even before a little bit. And Shamasud, admittedly, he's a left uh, left hander, um, so he's going to be a bit more troubled with uh, the ball going away from him, approaching fifty yada yada. And then the right uh, right handed uh, Babar Azam. But you remember that old adage about Graham Gooch talking about facing New Zealand back in the day, and you have got Richard Hadley at one end and whoever at the other, and it's playing at Galacticos World Eleven at one side and Ilkley's second at the other. The difference between the two batsmen, the ease in which Babarazan was just playing, he was just, it was just glorious to watch. Beautiful, beautiful bat, batsmanship. And then obviously Shamasood was struggling a little bit at the other end. Um, he's just got an absolute touch of quality, eh? Yeah, I mean, it's unfair to compare kind of any cricketer or any batsman in the world to Babarazan because. On top of being better than most of them, he's also the most aesthetically pleasing batsman in the world. Uh, I, I did a list for Crick Info not that long ago on the greater shots, you know, all the different players who have their signature shots in world cricket. And I didn't put Barbara's arm in and everyone was so upset. And I was like, but he's mastered almost every shot. Whereas everyone else has like one shot that they play really pretty, you know, really pretty like, you know, Josh Butler you know, flat batting a ball down the ground and Shai Hope's back foot drives. And, but it's like, w- what shot would you pick out of Baba Azam? He's just prettier than everyone else. Um, going back to a point you just made about the uh, the lineup for Pakistan, what do you make of the different tactics that both have come in with? Because, you know, England have come in with four f- new ball bowlers, essentially, and a very raw um, Dominic Bess. Uh, and Pakistan have come in with a completely different lineup. Um, and and winning the toss, I suppose, was crucial crucial for them in in ways that you've already mentioned. But uh, it's as this test goes on, you you just got the feeling if Pakistan can get a score around two fifty two seven five on that track, and uh, with the bowlers they've got, they're going to be in this game throughout. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they've loaded up their bowling, so if they can get, well, I mean, they're probably going to want three hundred, I, I would guess, to put any pressure back on England. But if they can get over three hundred, Mohammad Abbas starts doing the things he does with the ball. And then they've got so many, so much variety and skill and ability around him. Uh, you know, I know Shaheen Afridi is not very well known, but I've been watching him for a couple of years. He's an incredible, he's just one of those natural wicket-taking bowlers. Both their leg spinners are very hard to get away. And also both their leg spinners are very good to left-handers as well. So 
you know, a lot, there's a lot of advantages for them in this attack. But the, the problem is getting to 300 with such a shallow batting lineup. That's why Sean Masood has, I mean, he almost has to face 100 balls every uh, innings. Um, or, or, or him or Amir Ali have to face 100 balls every innings to get them to a position where they can even start to get to 300 with this batting lineup. Uh, you know, and uh, I think, I think Sean was the first guy to make, uh, to face 100 balls um, in England, opening the batting in whatever it is, three years. <laughs> it's been quite a while. I, that might be overseas openers. I can't remember the full stat. But essentially, it hasn't been happening. And for Pakistan, it was even more important than one of those two sort of dour opening batsmen was going to be able to do this because it's so shallow. So now they have set up that platform. Barbara is in. We've got Asad Shafiq coming in next who, you know, he's a quality batsman, a very good number five in, uh, in, in international cricket. You start to put, you know a few runs together then, and then perhaps one person in the tail hangs around for a little bit, and suddenly you have that 300, and that extra bowler suddenly looks like an absolute genius move. Whereas if uh, if uh, Sean had gone out to one of those incredible balls early on and Bubba had been in against the new ball and they were 3 for 15, that uh, Shadab Khan batting at number seven would have looked like the stupidest thing we'd ever heard of. Moment of the day. Two moments of the day I put to you, Jared Kimber, both involving Joss Butler, both involving Shan Masood, both involving Dominic Bess, and both involving Masood being on 45. Um, of the two opportunities, a, a, catching, a, ca- a catch that went down and a stumping that went down, which would you say was the easier forward slash more difficult? Look, there are. I think that the drop percentage and the missed stumping percentage when you're up at the stumps to a spinner is almost identical. So on a basic level, catching up at the stumps is not harder than uh, a stumping up at the stumps um, when, when you look at the raw numbers. But when you look at those two particular instances, the edge basically didn't deviate, really. And so you'd have to say that it, it should have been taken. But the stumping, he had a full view of that. Once a batsman opens up and gives you full view. And, and this has happened before with Joss Butler. It happened with Jermaine Blackwood in 2015 when England lost that test because Butler missed his stumping. He doesn't expect batsmen to miss the ball because he wouldn't miss that ball, which means he doesn't wicket keep like a wicket keeper who expects every ball to come to them, come what may. He wicket keeps like a batsman. And, and this is really common in modern cricket, but certainly uh, uh, you can see it with the stumpings. That he's thinking, well, there's no way he can miss that. That's a, that's a nice ball um, outside our stump. He's going to come down that and whack that over mid-off, which is probably what Butler would have done. And so they're not, they're not quite expecting it. Now, it did bounce a little bit more, and both of them bounced, to be fair. I find it hard to believe that a better wicketkeeper isn't taking at least one of those chances. And a really good... Prasanna J. Wardner is taking both of them. You know, uh, Jack Russell is taking both of them, I think. So I find it hard to find any excuses for him there. And, it, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Crickbiz was saying, I think his first eight tests back with the gloves, he hadn't dropped a chance. Well, he, he's dropped three now. He's missed three chances. I think all of them he should have taken. Do you have any other moments of the day or shall we move on? No, I mean, I, I suppose that is the moment of the day, isn't it? Other than, unless you want to talk about the England players with the football. No, I don't. Shot of the day. Actually, let me take you through some of Abid Ali's earlier, earlier work that you may have forgotten. <laughs> well, I mean, um, at one point, I think Shah Massoud had faced 20 deliveries to Abid Ali's three. They were both one not out. So shot of the day isn't going to be taken from that passage of play. That's for sure. But... 
there, there was that great moment where I, I think I've told you this before, but my favorite moment on Crick Info, where the way the stats packages work is that it works out what shot you've scored the most runs with. And it says most productive shot. And Joe Denley has happened like a bunch of times that Joe Denley's most productive shot is his leave. And today that happened with Sean Massoud. But whoever was scoring the game for Crick Info put it down as a cut shot. And I was like, there's no way he cut that. There, it's quite clear his most productive shot is a leave at this stage. But anyway, that was the opposite of the best shot of the day. Ball of the day. You know, they, um, you described, a, I can't remember, I think Shannon Gabriel was bowling. Um, when West Indies were playing, I can't remember the batsman, but in the previous show, you described how you watched the uh, dismissal and you couldn't work out whether it had been caught behind or bowled. And you were just waiting to find out, you know, how the method of dismissal was. And then it turned out that, you know, it missed the stumps and the bat. And something very similar happened to me today. Barbara Zam's first ball, uh, Chris Wokes is bowling. He's just got rid of Azar Ali. And the ball in my I'm watching it the the ball almost seemed to go through the bat the player and the wicket and then went through to the stumps and you know when you think you think how did that actually miss it's almost like it's gone through a hologram and then you watch a replay of the delivery it was a ridiculous ball from Wokes um squared Babrazam up first ball I mean I thought he did quite well not to hit it to be honest he could have been out leg before could have been out caught behind and he could have been out bold but he wasn't out on either three it was a sink it was a dot ball uh but that was my ball of the day yeah I, I there was a brilliant ball an eight-way swinger the anderson bowled to um uh, sean at one stage uh which was incredible as well but to be fair don Bess, you know he bowled two or three balls uh on a fresh pitch and and it wasn't fresh the way that you know i remember rakeem cornwall got some spin early on in, and i think rustin chase might have in, in second test as well they were i think those wickets are a little bit more moist so there was a little bit of perch but th- this looked like a dry wicket and yet I thought Dominic Best bowled some really good balls. I mean, he was all over Masood, to be fair. Um, not to mention that Joe Root almost bowled for a leg side, um, leg slip catch for Baba Azam. I mean, if Baba Azam goes out, caught down a leg side off Joe Root, we should probably cancel Test cricket. Lol of the day. It wasn't really a day for lols, was it? I mean, I'm really scratching around. I could think of one kind of minor lol. Can you? Unless it's the football um, uh, clip of the England players, which I didn't really loll at, although I admired their uh, tenacity to continue to go and try. Uh, but uh, no, was was there a lull of the day? There was just a real minor lull, and it was earlier, earlier on, much earlier on. There was um, it wasn't even a chance for a run out, but Ollie Pope at point picked up the ball, threw it towards the stumps and Sham Massoud, he grounded his bat and the ball hit the bat, flush on the bat. It looped up and Joffre Archer took the catch and then and then appealed, as did Ollie Pope at the same time. And I thought that was quite funny. But I mean, look, any day when Chris Silverwood is fronts up to speak to the press, that tells you immediately today has not been a lol day. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. So let's hear from the England coach, Chris Silverwood. I would say we started off very well. Uh, I thought we bowled very well in the morning session. I mean, credit to Pakistan as well. I thought they batted very well. 
Uh, we asked a lot of questions, beat the edge a lot. Uh, and then obviously after, after lunch, we weren't so good. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Jared. Well, only 49 overs uh, possible on day one. That reminds me of that West Indies. Uh, what was How many overs did we have on day one of that first test against West Indies? 47, 17, 17.4. It was a 17.4 over show. Um, anyway, only four to nine overs available are possible on day one. So should get, uh, I don't know what we'd get, 98 on day two. Weather forecast for the next three days looks pretty good. So what do you expect to happen? Not what should happen. What do you expect to happen on day two at Old Trafford? I think it's not a bad batting pitch and uh, I expect Pakistan to sort of inch ahead. I think once you get to that, you know, seven, eight, nine sort of period, they're going to struggle quite a lot. But on the way there, I, if, if they can edge through, and I think they only need one of, of, of Sean Asad, uh, Baba to make a score. I don't think they need all three of them to just because, you know, they already have a decent, a decent start with them. So if one of those guys can, you know, add another 50 to 70 runs, I think they're in a really good position. Um, and I thought England did not bowl very well. And I would not expect that to happen again. I think they are going to spend a lot of time having a look at what they did wrong and they're going to come back. Uh, so it'd be very, I think it'd be very interesting to see how Sean goes against best, but I, th- I think it'd be very interesting. England do. I'll go back of just trying to hit the top of off again. And I think they lost that. for. They bowled a lot of full tosses. They're not going to bowl a lot of full tosses tomorrow. I don't know why they bowled a lot of full tosses. You probably shouldn't bowl a lot of full tosses. I'm not sure you get a lot of wickets from full tosses. Do you expect to see Azam go past 100? I do. Do you know what? I I see him as a batsman who who is going to make a lot of 70s and 80s. Um, I haven't looked at his conversion record, but he just feels like that kind of player to me. I'd love him to go on and make a hundred. I think it really sets up the series quite well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Asad Shafiq, I really want to see as well. Uh, um, you know, there's a couple of these guys that I think are a lot better than they ever have been. And they're going to be really tested and they should be tested first thing tomorrow morning, realistically. But they, I still think they have the, the talent to get there. So you said 270 early on. It's probably a, that's probably a, a very par total for them, I think. Well, I'm going to tip... Pakistan to score 280 290. Uh, they'll be out about 40 minutes before tea, and England will uh, will struggle because remember England have gone in with Chris Wokes. You talk about Pakistan's number seven. Chris Wokes, uh, England's number seven. He scored about five runs in about five innings. Um, they've all bumped up one in the order, and it's going to be interesting because they wouldn't have played a lot of cricket against this Pakistan side. So, I think I see wickets on day two. In fact. I see uh, 13 wickets on day two. That's where I'm going. Yep, I said it. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, Jared, thank you very much. Uh, We will be back uh, following day two's 13 wickets. uh, And you can listen to the following on podcasts on ACAST, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But thanks for listening.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 